This week on Bussin', the Greenville Transit Podcast, I am so excited to welcome Carlos Phillips, who's the President and CEO of the Greenville Chamber of Commerce, to the 502. So welcome, Carlos, to the bus. Very happy to be here, Erin. Yeah, well, it's great. Well, have you ridden one of the buses before you've been on Greenlink yet? It's this okay is my, if you... This is my first time on a Greenlink All right. uh, bus. Uh, I have ridden uh, buses and uh, public transit before. But my first time here in Greenville. Okay. Well, and that's okay. There are a lot of people that have not yet ridden Greenlink. Mm-hmm. So you are amongst the majority. And uh, and that's part of it, right, is we're trying to get people to think more about transit and transportation as part of their – as options for their daily lives um, and maybe solutions to problems that they might have as well. So one of the reasons I wanted to ask you to come ride with me today was to talk some – I know that the Chamber has always cared a great deal about transit, and it's – been a major part of your platform for advocacy and your conversations with our elected officials and that sort of stuff for a long time. Why is that, Carlos? Why is why is transit such a big deal to the chamber? Well, I think if you look at both the chamber's um, vision and our mission, and now even our tagline, you get a sense of why uh, transit is so important to us. Um, we envision uh, a globally competitive. Uh, regional economy where businesses succeed and people prosper. Uh, And our mission is to lead and convene um, our business community so that we can drive regional economic growth. Our tagline is to grow a greater Greenville. Uh, Every day that we show up, um, that's why we're we're here, to grow a greater Greenville. And um, transit is certainly a key component uh, to growing a greater Greenville, and to growing our economy um, and driving that economic growth um, as well. So transit is very important, uh, not only to the chamber, but more importantly to um, to our economy. Yeah, and I would, I, there's so much, um, I've got a regional fact book that I pulled out, um, pulling some of the data and things like that when it comes to prosperity and, and economic success and kind of everyone having access to that. And that's been a real struggle for just the upstate in general, but specifically Greenville for a long time is we have prosperity, but it's not quite equal prosperity. Well, we have an opportunity for more people yeah. to share in, in that prosperity, to engage mm-hmm. in our economy. And transit is a key, again, is a key component uh, of that. Yeah. Well, and I think that, let's see. When we think about employment, so just for our listeners, we have approximately, now this is 2018 numbers, but so we'll add a few more (laughs) to this. uh, Directionally sound. Yeah, exactly. So we've got 53,403 businesses, and uh, and this is in the region, though, so this is not just for Greenville, but um, the, the largest employers in our region are Greenville Health System. Greenville County Schools is one of the top 10, BMW, Michelin, um, Bon Secours. So, you know, some of our Greenville employers are some of the largest employers in the entire upstate. They are. Yeah. They are. But I will, I'll ask that we, can, that we think beyond or, or bigger than, than those top oh. and recognizable brands. For every one of those, there's a hundred of other ones. Yeah, our small and mid-sized uh, employers uh, are, you know, play a significant role in our economy yeah. as well. Well, when we think about those large or small employee pl- employers and the chamber investors that you have, what do you hear the most from them about, like their, like 
finding good workforce is a big issue right now. I know. It um, is, the, is that it is, is that the number the one biggest? Yeah. Number one by a long way. Number one, number two, and number three. It is. It is finding uh, talent that is prepared. You know, qualified, certified, mm-hmm. um, and able to get to work. Yes, able to get to work. Well, and I think that's another thing. So y'all also did this whole, you've got your workforce survey here that you did in the different areas, including SCTAC, and you did Malden, and you did downtown, and you asked, um, also just a few years ago, but again, asking employers and employees, how do you get to work? What keeps you from getting to work? What's your biggest barrier? And all that sort of stuff. And it was pretty, I felt surprising that the data was pretty strong that a lot of people wish they had more reliable transportation to get to work as employees. And employers said that's one of the main things that's keeping that and like childcare. Those are the, one of the major things that are keeping people from being successful at work. Yeah. We are a very uh, automobile dependent community. Uh, that's not good. That's not bad. It just, it just is. is. Yeah. You know, when you asked me, had I uh, ridden GreenLink before? My answer was no. Uh, not because I don't want to or anything, but I've always had reliable mm-hmm. transportation, yep. uh, i.e. Uh, my uh, my vehicle, mm-hmm. and I've never had to think about another form of transportation to get to and from uh, work or uh, play. Right. Um, so, but because of that dependency, I think, Sometimes I think we may take for granted that everyone has access Mm -hmm. to, you know, a good and functional automobile. Well, and and so for the places that you used to ride the bus or you did it more often, I know for me, I liked public transportation when it was available and frequent because then that was one less thing I had to worry about. I didn't have to keep gas in my car. I didn't have to think, was I going to run into traffic? Was I going to be late to work? Or even if somebody else was going to take care of that for me. Um, what did what did you appreciate when you rode the bus more often in those other times in your life? Um, I think again it was access. Uh-huh. So I lived in a community um, where I mean, traffic was terrible. Yeah, traffic was terrible. I lived on the extreme north end of the county. Now approaching, one and I traveled frequently. So the airport oh, was on the, get... was south oh, on the south end the of the there. county, and yeah. it was just. It was um, much more. It was much more. It was much easier, much more convenient for me to hop on the train mm-hmm. um, and just take the rail all the way down from the, to the north airport. end of the county down to the south. You know, to the airport. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, I parked my car in a, you know, in a lot. Yep. Hopped on the train. Didn't worry about the car. <laughs> didn't worry about the traffic. Yep. Um, so it was very. It was very convenient. There were times where I would drive my car around the community, locally, mm-hmm. and I wish I had. <laughs> oh my gosh! Taken I, the bus. I lived in D.C. for a while, and there was one one time I took my car to the grocery store, and there were like six parking places in front, like a huge grocery store, like we would have here, and that's all. And I remember thinking it's going to take me an hour to even park because I got to wait for somebody, I got to stalk somebody coming out to park, and then all the traffic. Anyway, I didn't make that mistake again the next time I took the took well, the bus. I'm amazed that in your larger metropolitan areas, how uh, people don't think twice about public transportation. Yeah, that's how everybody gets everywhere. How, and it, it doesn't matter uh, what your occupation is. 
what your socioeconomic status is. Uh, public transit is the first option. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is and oftentimes mid-sized communities like ours, we haven't quite gotten there yet. Right, there's almost a gap there that we've got a kind of a performance gap where we've got a leap over to get to a place where it's a little bit more both accessible and, and just more intensity in the services. But I think we're, we're going to figure that out sooner rather than later, just simply because if the population growth projections are correct, then by the year 2040, we'll have upwards of a quarter of a million more people living here. Um, and it doesn't seem as though we can prevent those folks from coming. Right. They're going to be here. Um, the issues that we have currently um, are only going to become greater um, if we do nothing. Yeah, it's that missed opportunity. It is. What do you, I mean, so when you think about kind of as a community thought leader and somebody who's sitting there thinking about economic drivers and business needs and also balancing it with all the other things that mean high quality of life, because the chamber cares about successful business, but also recognizes it's not just business, right? It's a full community. Our vision is, yes, business is succeeding, uh, but the most important part of our vision statement is the and, and that's and people prosper. Right. So what what do we feel, I mean, what do you think needs to happen for us to get our transit system to where it needs to be versus where it is now for that quarter of a million people that... Well, I think first of all, it, it will require a shift in mindset. Okay. Uh, that's, always, that's always first. Our sentiment um, about public transit needs to evolve. Mm-hmm. Um, investment. That that should lead to investment. Mm-hmm. Um, we we are not we can't scale our current transit system with current investment. Um, so we're going to have to figure out how to um, how to invest uh, more in our public transit and mobility mm-hmm. um, um, as a whole. Um, a good plan for if we had those resources, right? Uh, what would our system look like? Right. What would our transit system look like? Um, how many more people could have access to oh. uh, not only to, the, to job, but to health care, to uh, education, um, and yes, even to entertainment. Mm-hmm. Um, if we were to optimize, if we were to optimize our public transit uh, right. system uh, here, but I think first it's a shift in mindset. And what I, what I would rather not happen. Um, I wouldn't want us to get to the point where our community, the, the transit, uh, or lack thereof, becomes so unbearable that, that we're forced to make a decision. Let's let's be proactive. Let's address it now before we have a quarter of a million more people living here, and then we try to we try to play catch up. Yeah. Well, and and you mentioned the planning and kind of what goes into that. So one of the things that Greenlink's worked on is a transit development plan, which is this three, five, seven, you know, 10 year, all the way out in the future thing, have a whole list of all these projects. If they were fully resourced and were able to do that, we could have like 19 more routes and would end up, you know, connecting SCTAC and it would be to Easley, it would be to the airport, it would be kind of and you know, something like double or triple the number of people would be able, would be within a half a mile of a bus stop. I recognize double versus triple is a big difference uh, numbers-wise, but I don't have it right in front of me, but it's a lot more people. Right. Um, could be close enough to be 
to be able to get to a bus stop or to get off a bus and be able to get to where they are. So it's a lot of um, the potentials really is there, yeah. which is kind of exciting. And, you know, another phenomenon that we're experiencing as our community grows is um, our, our population is becoming more dispersed mm-hmm. as well. So our population, I think 15% of our county population resides within the 28 square mile city city limits. The remaining 85% everywhere else is everywhere else. Spread out, yep. And that's and that's where we really have the most significant opportunity. Is uh, we sure I'm sure we have opportunities within the core, um, but you go outside the city limits, and a lot of our population now they have to travel to and from. Right to come in to work. Yeah, from outside of the from outside of the city limits. Well, and and I think right now too the GreenLink routes most of them are in the county, mm-hmm. so they. I mean, it does lead from downtown, but mm-hmm. then almost you know not too long, almost immediately they're out in the county running around because that's you know that's kind of where some other pockets are of, of both employment and also mm-hmm. uh, homes and residencies and stuff like that. Well, one of the things that came out of um, this workforce study that you guys were part of too was that. When they surveyed employees, that 47% of them said they definitely or probably would take a bus to and from work if it was available and convenient, which I thought was a, I mean, that's almost half of the, I mean, that would be, that's exciting to me to think about more people finding that as a useful resource for them. Um, I'm I'm not as surprised by that number, Uh again, because I've lived in communities. Yeah, where people did it more. Yeah, where people, you know, that was... The, that was the primary mode of, tran- of transportation for them. Um, so I've seen communities embrace embrace that. Yeah, and just really take it all the way. Well, if we could get to that place, what would that mean for the employers, though? Do you feel like if they had, you know, like you said, we were talking before about that being one of the major barriers. Is that holding, I mean, is, is the lack of transportation holding not just the employees back, but the employers? Are they having trouble growing and, and competing globally and things like that like you're talking about? They are, and I think we identified a few barriers, transit being one of them, um, but uh, uh, access to affordable, high-quality child care mm-hmm. you know, was another one. Um, uh, criminal records and yep. background uh, was another one. There are, a few, there are a few barriers, but the transit uh, certainly helps the employer and the employee, we can't afford to leave any lever un- unpulled. We have to employers have to pull every lever now. They have to be much more creative. Uh, transit is a part of that creative solution, uh, heightened flexibility, which also public transit can play a role there um, as well. So, how can we ensure that uh, the person who works um, a second shift <laughs> uh, job? that it's easy for them to get from work late at night as it was for them to get to work earlier in the day. Um, So employers um, and employers could benefit. Yeah. No, I think you're very, I think you're right about that. I think it's one of those kind of lifting everybody in both a micro and macro way, um, making sure that 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 prosperity is suddenly, there's accessibility. And so the more people that uh, have better access to get to work. Uh, of course, that's that's payroll, that's wages um, that not only benefits the employee, 
But the taxes generated from oh, that. the tax you know. base. Yeah. It's no. a win-win. It, it then we have more money for roads. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Or other uh, things we might need in the community. The more people who have access to high-quality health care, it's a long-term play. And that's the other challenge, too. Oftentimes, we look for a more immediate return right. on investment. Um, and, and public transit is not that immediate return. But if more people can get to work long term, that's great for our economy. If more people can have access to quality uh, and affordable health care, over time, their health care costs decreases. That's good for our, you know, that's good for our economy. The more people that have uh, access to, uh, say, our um, um, Greenville Tech, that's more people that are getting their you know, uh, certifications, social degrees, and whatever. That makes them more, more marketable, more em- employable. That's good for our economy. The more people that have access to uh, fresh food, fresh fruits and vegetables. and what, mm-hmm. I mean, all of these things um, are uh, economy builders. What I think we have been unable to do is effectively calculate what that economic impact mm-hmm. could be. Mm-hmm. Um, the great one of the great things about our community is we love creating, developing business cases. I mean, we've done a good job of saying if I can prove if I can prove that in time our community, our people will profit, we'll figure out a way to get it done. Okay. I don't. I've not seen it. We've got data and what have you, but. Um, Maybe there's more we can do on the business case side that says if more people can get to work, get to school, uh, get to health care, there is a real economic case for helping them do that. That's a great idea. I wonder if we could even look at, like, the current openings. Like, if every job was filled, meaning if everyone who was unemployed was able to find a way. For example, the other... Uh, it was probably a month or so ago, Joseph, the transit community organizer, met a guy on the bus who had just realized he could work at Cheddar's for $4 more an hour because he used to work at, like, Applebee's, and so mm-hmm. it was on the route, and so all of a sudden he could get down there, mm-hmm. and that was life-changing. I mean, he went from $12 an hour to 16 mm-hmm. and uh, that's that's a big deal. He was so excited, and it was he was on his way to Cheddar's. Um, but it's that type of thing where you think, how do we help this person go to that next, you know, next step on the ladder so that they're just feeling a little more secure and they have a higher quality of life. But anyway, but, but back to your, your question, if we could find a way to say, if these people could find, these people who are not working, because we have a really um, low number of our, our active employment rate in South Carolina is incredibly low. It's in the 50s, 56, 70%. Our labor force participation. Yes. Yeah. It's really low. And uh, so anyway, I wonder if that might be. We have to ask an economist. I'll have to make some calls. See how we we grab. Be right, though. Folks smarter than I would have to figure. Well, that out. we'd have to look. I mean, I'm sure the ideas going through my head right now are wrong for whatever reason. But somebody knows the answer to that. We should get it. That would be good. That'd be pretty persuasive, I think. Well, and, and other communities have have made the business case mm-hmm. for it um, um, for optimized transit, uh, and many of them did it years ago. Many of them did it years ago, and. Um, I'm glad we have a uh, public transit uh, system. Um, we're, just, we're at the stage now where I think we have an opportunity to optimize it. 
we have oh, that I think you're, to, to they've put in some great work in the last several years to improve it and to strengthen it and to make it more efficient. And then you're right. Now it's an issue of scale. Like, let's take what we've got. It's a really great system. And then actually fill these. Because you were talking about the how we've we've grown and we're also more spread out. So our, our urbanized area in the county has doubled in the last 30 years. Mm. Our transit system has not doubled in the last 30. So we're not keeping up with this growth that we have. And so that's that's really why there are gaps. You know, it's just kind of a, like you said, it's an opportunity to maybe get in there and, and scale it up. Make it better. Well, if you've got somebody listening right now who thinks transit's ridiculous and has not been on a bus lately or doesn't think we need to invest in transit, what would you like to say to them, Carlos? Try living life without an automobile. Try living, imagine a life, imagine a life where your automobile was not a dependable source of of transportation for you. What would you, what would you do? Uh, If you couldn't buy a new car, if you couldn't get your existing vehicle service, or if you just have no vehicle at all. Um, would you want to get to work? And if so, what would your options be? Um, would you would you want or need to get to the supermarket? And if so, <laughs> what would your options be? Yeah. Doctors, yeah. If you need to get to a physician's uh, uh, appointment, what would your options be? I think that's, you know, so I've been blessed you know, in that again, I've never had to worry about it. I've, I've never, now, I've never had to worry about it, and that is truly and a blessing. Um, but there are people that they have to think about it more than I do. Well, they've never not been able to worry about it, or like you said, it was interesting that you said like they don't maybe don't have a car, but maybe they can't afford to run their car. So they have people that maybe their car needs repairs and they don't have enough money to repair the car. So it's just not reliable. Maybe they've got to wait until their next paycheck to get that money to. To fix whatever it is wrong or fill their gas tank. I mean, the gas prices are rising, and that's another additional stress. So people who were doing okay with the transportation, suddenly it's less reliable. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, I think oftentimes we have to put ourselves in other people's shoes, you know, walk a mile or two in those shoes. It's, it's not something that we you know, do naturally. But in situations like this, uh, perhaps we should. Now, I say that about the folks who may not have a transportation, what have you, but there are people that have a perfectly good functional functioning vehicle. But they want another option. They do, yeah. <laughs> they want another option. Um, and so it's not just for folks who, who are challenged with a vehicle. There are people that have got perfectly fine automobiles, but they want a, an, another option. That's true, too. That's, that's a, and we have, there's a... Uh, certainly a group of regular riders who are, you know, work downtown and, and just like to ride in. They live near a bus stop, and it's an easy way for them to get back and forth every day. I've seen folks, they may take their, you know, bike to the bus stop, put their bike on the bike rack on the bus. Yep. I mean, it's, uh, so it's not just, uh, it's the, oftentimes I think we have a certain picture in our minds of, of who would uh, who would benefit from Mm-hmm. public transit and it may not be as complete of a picture um, as actually exists right no I, I think that's very true I think um, we've, we've often thought of bus service or transit systems as a social service for individuals helping somebody in poverty and that's the only that's the targeted group and and I think we funded it like a social service over the years as well um, and there's almost like you said that mindset sh- set shift has to happen where we start to see it as an issue of economic development mm-hmm. and for everyone right so that we just 
it's just access for everyone. By the way, we're riding in a beautiful electric oh, bus. It is. It's gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, although this is my first time, um, you're duly impressed, nice right? I am. I am. Uh, this is a, a a nice ride. Good. Well, I'm glad you've enjoyed your ride, Carlos. This has been a great conversation with you. And uh, you can come ride with me anytime you want to. Just let me know. We'll, we'll throw you on another bus, and we'll uh, keep talking. Consider it done. Consider it done. And I appreciate all that, all that you're doing to bring um, awareness uh, to this opportunity. We'll get there. Yep. Thanks again, Carlos. Thank you, Aaron. Bussin', the Greenville Transit Podcast, has been brought to you by Greenville Connects and is produced by the Greenville Podcast Company. Please make sure to check us out and give us five stars so everybody can find us. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys.